This is just me. Okay. And we're rolling. Yeah, we're here. We're back. <laughs> oh my God, the world. So many things have changed since I last talked to you, Dana. Yes, too many things, honestly, if we're being honest. <laughs> so many, so many things. It's a weird world right now. And I bet anyone listening probably knows what we're talking about. But um, the topic for today is the choice to not have or to have children. Big one. This is so big and it feels really weird to talk about it right now, considering everything that's going on in the world. Uh, but you know, we also found this episode to be really, really relevant and really important. So we're actually going to expedite this one and put this out as our next episode. We've, we've finally launched the trailer and episode one have been out there. Thank you so much for the support. And we have a bank of episodes actually to roll out after this. But this one is going to come next. It just absolutely has to because of the state of the world. Mm -hmm. But before we jump into really heavy topics like choosing to have children or not, me and Dana haven't sat down and recorded in a second. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been I, like a month or so or even more or than two. that. Yeah, yeah, a while. And so I just want to check in with you, Dana, as a human in our studio, aka my apartment. How are you doing these days? What's going on? Yeah, I think, you know, work has been crazy and just it feels like the summer of working really, really too hard somehow. So that is in play. <laughs> it's hitting you all too hard. Yeah, it's the summer, but work feels super intense for some reason. I've also just been in a whirlwind travel situation for the last month. In June, I was in Chicago two times in two weeks. I went to Arkansas, oh I went God. to North Carolina, I did the tour of Will's family, and then I was in Portland for work, and then finally feel like I'm just getting my footing back at home. So being in all those different time zones, all those different types of states, all those different environments it was super super weird and gave me a little bit of like cultural and emotional whiplash mm. so I'm just settling down coming from, down from all of that and yeah trying to make sense of it and also get back to normal whatever that means and then yeah on top of that in the midst of all of that just the macro changes in the world which part of which we're going to talk about today the big shifts that feel like what's the point like what is going on how can this how can everything be the way that it is and especially for us as women I think I'm in just like a tizzy and like really yeah. trying to come down and recenter and yeah I think be okay with the fact that like it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy road to to get back to the everyday and figure it out totally it, that much travel like every time i spoke to you you were in a different city or in an airport mm -hmm. or in the air it is so disorienting mm -hmm. you're yeah. like i don't know up from down i don't know time zones i yeah. don't know who i'm gonna see next someone just keeps telling me to go somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah. it takes weeks to come down from that kind of disorienting travel at least for me yeah it's definitely disorienting and I feel out of body and I'm just trying to like come back to my own life which is weird yeah. so yeah bear with me 
What about you? Where have you been for the last two months? Oh you were also traveling for a little bit. I was traveling um, for good reasons. <laughs> yeah. Not as difficult as you. Yes, me and Nate went on our big two-week Euro vacation back to the homeland, mm. back to Italy. I was super annoying on Instagram about it. Just, you know, two, two spots. Wanted my, like, rolling hills good food and i'm looking at cattle and horses in the field and like there's a sunset happening and so that was really good and then i also went to an island off of italy called sardinia and got that island vibe lots of yachts and rich people it's so funny being like the poorest person on a vacation and like you're not afraid anyone's gonna steal your stuff because no one wants it and that's the kind of place Sardinia is, but it was gorgeous and beautiful. And then, you know, that that was four weeks ago. And so bizarrely, I'm holding on to a little bit of that perspective still. That's Try- awesome. Yeah, I'm trying like to just like separate myself a little bit more from work and the outcomes of work. Mm-hmm. So vacation kind of gave me that perspective, but mm-hmm. also, you know, the state of the world really freaks me out and on really, really hard days, we hear all this bad news in the world and the government, whether it's guns or about abortion mm. or whatever. And I really wonder how much more I can take. And I don't even know what that means. It's not like yeah. I'm gonna do something bad to myself, but I just am like, oh my God, these layers of yeah. pressure and, and terrible things and news keep layering on me. I don't, I, what am I gonna do? I feel like any more pressure, I'm just gonna fucking crumble. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to make healthy strides where I can. And then yeah. there are some times where I'm like, I can break any fucking second. Yeah. And I get close to those points. So, you know, that is always the tension inside of this Gemini. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm thriving or like trying to better myself in some yeah. ways. And then sometimes I'm like, I'm on the point of fucking breaking and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what's gonna happen. But today, overall, I feel good i feel happy it's summer in new york and mm, it's a beautiful day it's a beautiful day and we're getting to do this again and also everyone's been great about the podcast i mean let's just let's just get into the thing that feels really pressing about the world right now and the fact that it like really relates to our episode topic Yeah, and Katie and I have talked about this many, many different times on different occasions of just our personal perspectives on do we want to have children, about that choice and what it carries with it for us as women, for our bodies, for our families, for our lifestyles, etc. And it's always been something that's been a really important topic to us and helping us understand each other better and also navigate like you know when our friends are having kids and we're trying to deal with that or just this changing age that we're in so we've talked about it a lot but I think in the context of what's happening which is obviously you know the overturning of Roe v. Wade and this just dismantling of our ability to have you know equal rights to a certain extent and control over our choices and our bodies and our futures and even just the freedom to live our lives the way that we want to. I mean, obviously, that's what this podcast is all about is sort of attacking those those things that are standing in the way of us doing that of finding Mm -hmm. our own path. And so that decision, I think, has been weighing on us from a macro perspective, but also 
you know, we always had this episode in the pipeline. We always said we, we want to talk about this because there's something really important to say about choosing to be childless or just being ambivalent about the decision or maybe, or being really happy and open to, you know, that's a big part of your life. That's what you want to do. And so in the context of this bigger decision, and I think what every woman and hopefully men around the country do are grappling with, it just makes it bigger. As we were planning this episode, we talked about our privilege of mm-hmm. where we stand on like the socioeconomic ladder. Yep. You know, I'm a white woman, so things just come easier for me, and I know that privilege. And we li- and we live in New York mm-hmm. City, like mm-hmm. one of the most liberal, progressive cities in the world, and abortion is available here, and it will yep. remain available here. It's you know, we are thinking about every other state yeah. who has been greatly affected by this and all women of color and all women who don't have the funds or means mm-hmm. to protect themselves or have a choice. But I also want to say, you know, people have said, oh, don't worry. Like, you know, you're in New York. It's going to be okay. Right. It's going to be fine. And I, I've had to say, stop saying that right. actually, because... People said six years ago when Donald Trump got elected, it's going to be okay. Mm. You live in New York City or it's going to be okay. It's only four years and mm. or whatever. No, like things have continued to get worse mm. for the people who are not cis straight white men. Mm-hmm. It, like Biden is the president. We have Congress. Mm-hmm. And yet still things continue to get worse. So mm. I can't have people saying to me anymore, don't worry about it. You live in New York City. You're going to be fine. Like, at this fucking rate, we're, we're not going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be okay. So, like, as much as obviously the biggest concern is to those who are immediately affected right. and we want to help these people, every woman in this world has a right, whether you're in the U.S. or you're in Europe or in Asia, U.S. has a huge influence over the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So everyone should be concerned. This is a universal, global issue right now. And so, you know, I'm just thinking about every person who's able to have a child. I'm thinking about them right now because Mm -hmm. either they're immediately affected or there is a huge fear they will be affected. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a couple layers to it. And yeah, I hate when people say that too. And even I find myself saying that to myself too, like when I'm in those moments of despair, right. But yeah, I think there's this sense of like realizing how interconnected we are and that it's not, you know, just about our own little microcosm of the world, right? And like, yes, we'll be fine. We have the privilege of that. Like we have the means and the funds if something should happen, if we need to travel. We are privileged in that respect, but I I don't think that doesn't come without awareness of the broader experience for other people and for other areas of the country mm-hmm. and other types of, you know, lifestyles and and people etc it's okay to feel some type of way even if it doesn't directly affect you and vice versa and yeah also the ripple effect at play right it's like this is a sign of what's to come this won't be the last thing that's going to affect us as individuals and our choices and us as a collective so it's it's definitely heavy and i i actually found out about on the day that the decision came out and the news broke I was in North Carolina Mm. and I and I'm someone who has always thought about moving to the south 
And I think just being there was weird when the decision came yeah, through. Yeah. And, and obviously it doesn't affect me in that moment because I don't need an abortion. I didn't, I, I am not from North Carolina. I'm not going to be staying there, but it felt like suddenly the world was like a little bit smaller. And even though it wasn't affecting me specifically, I could empathize with those women on the ground there of like, yeah. wow, your world suddenly feels quite small. And that that's scary. So I think, yeah, again, just getting back to your point of like, it's easy to say it'll be okay, it won't affect you. But if you don't, if you're not able to have that empathy and that understanding for the broader context, then like, what are we doing? (laughs) Yes, great. It won't affect me, but there's much bigger stuff at play. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if we're missing that, we're missing the point. Mm -hmm. Totally. Okay, well, I mean, we definitely just wanted to address this before we went into it because it, I think maybe even over the course of the past few weeks has, like, you know, impacted our thoughts a little bit more. And we're really excited to talk to you about this topic that is really relevant for us. So we will jump into it right after the break. Stay tuned. And we're back. All right, so let's get into the meat of it today. I think, you know, this, for us, this story starts with all those questions that you hear all the time, right? When are you going to start having kids? How many kids do you want? Do you want girls? Do you want boys? Don't you want kids? Why wouldn't you have kids? I can't wait for my grandbabies. They're all really loaded questions, and I feel like they come into conversation. They come into our sphere of influence so often, especially now because we're in our early 30s. It's about that time, that clock be ticking. I never thought I'd be here. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, right? How did we end up here? We're know. supposed to be these young, fresh, beautiful, cute, cute, cute I girls. I still feel <laughs> Oh, yes. Full of life. Full of vigor. Full of trying. She's um, trying. <laughs> truly trying. But yeah, we're, we're both at this age and this moment in our lives when deciding whether to have children or not feels like a huge deal. It's more in our face than ever. Our expectations from our family, even judgment, I think we've both felt from curi- curious, you know, friends, colleagues, curious minds, curious minds exactly. <laughs> And we've both chosen, at least for the moment, to not start having kids, and in Katie's case, not to have kids at all, very firmly, which we're going to get into. And so, yeah, we, would you just want to talk about kind of that childless or child ambivalent perspective in a world that definitely, you know, puts motherhood and, and having children on a pedestal and sort of says, that's the next step. That's the natural next step in your journey. So yeah, we're going to dive into our perspectives. And first, I mean, the elephant in the room, we've got to ask Katie, who is committed to childlessness. So committed. <laughs> That's your memoir. <laughs> committed to childlessness. Hell yeah. yeah. What's your stance? Where did, where did this stance come from? What really drives that? And yeah, what, what's your perspective on it? Yeah, totally. I mean, some people just know that they want to have kids right like they just envision it from a young age they love baby dolls they want to like take care of like their younger siblings and things like that and I mean for me that was just a sign from the jump like that that was something that did not interest me I'm a person who likes doing things by themselves and maybe with one other person like one-to-one stuff but I never thought about being around a lot of people 
all the time. And I think that's because growing up, I was around a lot of people all the time. I was like, I have this, it's in abundance. I think on top of that, I'm also a very sensitive person and I am very observant. And so a lot of the time I observed my own family and I observed my mom who was a stay-at-home mom and, and raised four or five kids, including my half-sister. And I saw how much work it was for mm. her. Like being a mom, you have to give it everything you've got. Yeah. Like, I, I wish all moms could be seen as like Olympians, you know, like they have to give their mind, body and soul every single day to these children in order to raise them into the best humans possible. And I, while I admire my mom and I admire all the mothers in the world, I also saw the toll mm. that it takes on someone and I while I couldn't identify it at the time I could definitely see this kind of loss of self your your kids are you and you are your kids mm -hmm. there's there's nothing else to it at least from what I saw when I was little just how exhausting it is how much time you don't have for yourself all of these things that sometimes I did wonder if my mom was happy doing this mm. And, and that, that really stuck with me and it's not anything against my family or anything against her. I just think that's what it takes, mm -hmm. you know, like when you're really trying to raise quality children in this <laughs> world and just from seeing that, I was like, this, this doesn't seem that fun to me. Mm. One, I had never envisioned it to begin with. And two, from what I'm observing, this, this just doesn't seem so exciting to me and, and what I want to do. And then as I got older, like it still just wasn't something that came to mind. And then as I started dating people and as I started seriously dating people, especially when I met Nate, like I had to be very upfront with him saying, I don't think I want this. I've never wanted it. Mm -hmm. I feel pretty secure in, in this. And I met Nate in like my mid twenties. So we've been together for a while now and luckily he's been on on the same track this whole time, which is incredible and I feel so lucky. But now, like as I'm going through my 30s and the real decisions have to be made, my perspective on it has changed even more. It's grown on top of those mm. things where, you know, I really do feel like I'm figuring out who I am for the first time. Mm. And I'm figuring out what I want to focus on and figuring out what really makes me happy. And I want to dive into those things. Mm -hmm. I want to experience my full life and my desires and my dreams and kids have just never been in the picture. Mm -hmm. And I finally know how to focus on those things. And also on top of that, like knowing, I feel like I've kind of lived a life for everyone else and we've talked about this just be yourself where actually you've been like kind of taught who to be up until this point and now I'm finally in a place where I'm like no I don't want to do those things and I know what I want to do and I know how to dissent and I know how to say no and I know boundaries and things like that and I want the time to really be me mm. and to have kids in the next few years to me feels like I'm just giving the, the attention I'm finally giving myself, I'm giving that away. Mm. And I just don't want, it's too precious to me. 
not everyone has this journey, but this, this one is mine. And I finally can give myself that attention that I, I know I deserve and I know that I want and I only want it for myself. So it's just been layer over layer over layer over time that is built to this decision. And it, it only grows stronger. Yeah, I was going to ask you about like your, obviously your conviction is coming through, your confidence in your choice and, yeah. and even just the way you're walking through your experience. It's well-reasoned, you know, it all makes sense. Has that conviction ever been shaken or have you, I, I'm, it just feels like we're, we live in a you know, culture and especially female culture that is very much like what, what you've got to be a mother or like, you know, it's important. It's, it's value. It's highly valued. It's highly, you know, expected. So yeah. Has that conviction ever failed you or kind of how have you been able to keep it for so long? Yeah. I think, I think there's two things. The first one being, yes, I have doubted myself before and not in a way of oh, maybe I do want to have kids, but more of a what's wrong with me. Mm, mm -hmm. Am I so damaged (laughs) that I don't want this thing that half the population at least wants? Right. And I've brought that to my therapist being like, am I that fucked up? (laughs) That like, I have this biological, amazing thing my body can do. And yet I'm denying it. Like my mind is denying Mm -hmm. it. And my therapist has been like, I don't really think so. You have to respect your feelings about this. And it sounds like it's been years in the making. So she was really supportive. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like, tell me I'm fucked up. Like, just tell <laughs> Give me. me the answer Give me the to answer. why I can't. Yeah. Be, be in line with everybody else. What's yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Give me the answer why I'm like, this. <laughs> she's like, girl, you gotta figure that out yourself. Therapy. So that I've kind of like undermined myself a little bit. And then also, this really hasn't shaken my beliefs, but the experience of of people asking, do you want children? Why don't you want children? Mm. And it's such a loaded thing that you're never going to dive into. You know, that hasn't shaken my beliefs, but it has bothered me. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it bothers me, but I don't. I, I can move past it. But the way I look at it now when people ask me, you know, do you want to have kids or why not? And they kind of push me for an answer. My answer is always to come back at people with compassion if I have it in me. Where I'm like, oh my God, this person has been taught that there's only one way mm. to live. Mm-hmm. Like, and cannot imagine another way. And so in that way, I don't allow people to shake me because I'm like, I feel for you that the world made you think you had mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. And now you're putting that on me. Right, right. So it, it gets me by and that's the thing that could shake me, but I, it, it doesn't because that's how I look back at them. Yeah, yeah. That's a really healthy perspective of like, yeah, that's your experience. That's where you're coming from. But for me, it's different. I think it's so interesting that like your pushback or, or the the example of how it's shaking you is more about your sense of self, about yes. like feeling damaged compared to other people who might want to have kids as if they're better than you or they're not broken, they're more put together, they're, yeah. they're whatever. And even like, I thought it was interesting how you said like, I have this amazing biological like gift that yeah. like... Yeah this this like advantage yeah. like literally that I can do this my body can do this thing and I'm not taking advantage of it or I'm just like letting it 
like not I'm just not do, using it like those are it's just so interesting how you unpack that of like it, it was yeah not just about people judging you externally but like you judging yourself compared to as if people who want to have kids are healthier, more well-adjusted, right? <laughs> you taking advantage of their humanity and their sexual organs, right? <laughs> like, right? Like so interesting. I want to ask you because you have nieces, you have a big family, and a lot of your sisters have decided to have kids or have kids already. And you, you always post about them on Instagram. Yeah. You love them. They're definitely so like kind of a fixture of if you know Katie, you know, she's got some beautiful nieces that she's always, you know, championing and yeah. posting about. Like, how does it make you feel to interact with them? And does it have you ever reflected like when you're with them? And Nate's so good with them, I know, Ooh. as well. Yeah, I'm just wondering about that dynamic and if it influences your perspective at all. If anything, I feel even more grateful that I have nieces and one nephew now because there's even less pressure on me to have kids, which is great. Uh, I'm also dreading when my nieces are like, why don't you have kids? Because one, it shows that the world is still conditioning them to want right, to have kids, right. but also to like have to explain this big thing to them in a very simple way. But being with them, it feels just so good to have space to love them. Mm. That's just kind of it. Like I love being around. I don't see them nearly enough, but I have a lot of space in my heart for them. I, I'm just grateful that I have space to love them and hang out with them and champion them. I have no, it doesn't make me want to have kids more. Mm -hmm. If anything, I'm very grateful to play with them and then say, here you, here you go, sister. You can take your child back because I, I need a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. So I just feel gratitude all around. There's no, but there's no like convincing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so interesting. That right. <laughs> yeah. So another thing that I think, I mean, even personally, like Will and I have said this to each other of like, well, what kind of what's the point if we don't have kids like what will we be able to pass on like thinking of a legacy and stuff and I think a lot of people think like kids are and it, I mean it's a historical like philosophy right kids are the future of your line and your bloodline and and your family and pass down generations and generations etc yeah I guess you you kind of said like I, I don't feel the need to like pass on or like you know how do you think about that like what what will you leave behind if not children what do you yeah how do you think about that the, the tropes of legacy and passing on legacy to your children oh if God, you're in a world where you've decided not to have children so emotional I think Whew. wow you know I just part of me is like it doesn't matter what I pass on. I won't mm -hmm. be here mm -hmm. to see what happens. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that I have this life and I use it wisely and I treat people with love and respect and compassion and I'm a good person. And maybe those stories of who I was, <laughs> this is very emotional, but like the stories of who I was and what I was able to bring is the best thing I could leave behind. Yeah. And like to teach my nieces that or my family that or my coworkers that or my friends that and have a little piece of me with everyone is the thing I would want to leave behind. It's not about kids, you know? Right, right. That's that's how I leave my legacy. I love that. Yeah. And just reframing that even like 
I think what you're saying is that it's not about having a physical, you don't have to have a physical manifestation of you out there in the world just to say that you have something to pass on, right? And so many people, I think, think of kids that that's the natural default for like how you're going to leave a legacy while you're going to have children future generations of your family or your name or whatever but yeah I love the idea that it is you know so much more about just the mark that you leave on others whether they're your family or your nieces which are the future generation or just your friends and your your circle and the experiences that you've had so I love that because I do think yeah we we tend to be conditioned to think that like yeah, if you don't have kids, what are you leaving behind? And it almost like devalues your entire existence <laughs> if you don't have, right, right? Which is just not, yeah, in a way, it can be taken that way for sure. And yeah. so that that's really interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. That, that just made me really emotional because it's crazy to think about like when you're not here, but yeah, I think it's to your point, like the human life and your life is so valuable. Mm-hmm that's what really matters is the mark that you personally made on people in this world and kids are a bonus if they if you instill that in them and they can continue on of course but there are so many people in my life where you can help shape them and and that's okay and so my value is totally just as high as everyone else because i I don't have kids yeah absolutely and like i think we are in the at least the mainstream is certainly finally, finally entering this area of understanding things like chosen family and understanding that like a mother isn't necessarily defined by truly having a child of their own making, but you can be a mother to anyone, to a friend, to a, you know, to to a colleague, to someone you meet who you may never have expected to come into your life. Right, right. We can all be mothers and sisters and friends and family to each other. And so the idea that like, yeah, sure, maybe you don't have want to have a biological child, but what you're going to pass on to your nieces is going to be incredible. And any, you know, future relationships you might have or connections like that's that's powerful. I think that reframing is is important for especially as as women, you know, we get pressured, I think, with the idea of motherhood and the pressures of motherhood. And so yeah, reframing it to be about just the relationships you're having and the effect you're having on people, no matter what the outcome is, is, is important, I think. Yeah, thanks for that question. I think that that's <laughs> definitely an important one for people who might be afraid to tell people they don't wanna have kids. Like, you should still have loads of self-worth mm-hmm. and you are just as valuable with or without kids yeah it's about you and what you do in this life and who you are to people like that that is the most important thing and i think it's probably hard for people to tell families and friends they don't want to have kids because they're going to be seen as less than yeah yeah for sure yeah exactly less than kind of blend into the background then what are you bringing to the table right what are you bringing to the family reunions or to the whatever so yeah i think that's very important i think also back to your other points that if you've chosen to not have children that doesn't make you wrong it doesn't make you different it doesn't have to set you apart from other people that's your choice and you make it for your own reasons and while sometimes conditioning and judgment can make you feel like I'm damaged right or something's wrong with me remember to have 
like the confidence and the conviction in yourself and your beliefs like you do I think that's powerful and important and I don't know how you do it because I feel like there's so much pressure especially now from so many of our friends and circles and culture and everything so I'm, I'm proud of you for just like being you know strong <laughs> holding your own acknowledging when you are being your own worst critic and you know, doubting yourself, but charging on, you know, I love that. Yeah, thank you. Oh my God, the past like five minutes have felt like an out-of-body experience actually <laughs> talking about this. Talking uh, about death? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring it, Ooh, bring it there. Uh, well, that was so deep, man. I mean, I'm like, Dana, I, I want to get to your stuff too because you're definitely in an interesting place in your life. But the last thing I'll say is, Again, this is why we brought up the overturn of Roe v. Wade mm -hmm. is because I hope everyone can hear the conviction in my voice and the wants that I have in my life and the needs that I have in my life uh, to, to be a fulfilled, happy person. And the fact that this is being taken away from people who are like-minded like me, the fact that they don't have this choice is crazy. Yeah. It really does make you feel like, yeah, you're just a tool with a means or the means to an end or something. Right. Like, no one gives a shit about yeah. what I want for my mm -hmm. future, mm -hmm. let alone fucking every other woman in America. So like, yeah, this one's for you guys. Like, you're not alone. If, if you're someone like me, I'm definitely thinking of you and I hope we can get through this. All right. Okay. So I'm going to turn the tables i'm <laughs> i'm ready to talk about you Dave, oh, now no. that you brought me outside of my own body I, <laughs> you are in an interesting place in your life mm -hmm. early 30s about to get married your yours and will's background is interesting your families are from the south mm -hmm. which just feels like they have a different set of priorities and hopes and dreams maybe from my family who's you know from liberal new york all mm -hmm. that stuff I assume you're you're feeling many pressures mm -hmm. at this point in time. Also, your career continuously is taking off. You're busier than ever, but but time is also ticking. Like, let's be fucking real. Yeah, uh, we have sure a few is. years to figure things out. You are in like what feels like such a state of limbo. Yeah, I want to hear where your head's at about this and and how you're feeling about choosing to have kids or not have kids. Yeah. I feel like it's higher stakes than ever because it feels like I've got a five-year window or something, or even less, it's quickly closing to really start making hard choices that I've kind of been able to put off for quite a while. But I have been ambivalent about it, about whether to have kids or not for a while now. I also didn't grow up, I didn't grow up with a lot of siblings. First of all, I'm the mm. only child, so I didn't really think about you know <laughs> what it meant to have a family a lot or a big family. And I was not a girly girl. I didn't plan out my wedding and my lifestyle right. and so and I didn't have dolls and stuff like that so yeah it wasn't a big topic for me to think about how am I gonna have kids and leave my legacy and oh I want a baby I want to be a mom like that those weren't necessarily things that I grew up thinking and then as I got older and met Will and we've been together for a hundred million years I think we've always felt like we're trying, we're hustling. We moved to New York right after college and just started working. And we have both have really high intensity careers that we've been building. And that has been our focus for 
a hundred million years that we've been together. <laughs> well, <it feels> like. <laughs> and so kids were never something that was on our agenda and we weren't, neither of us felt super strongly about wanting to be a mom or a dad. And it's only been in the last few years as we've seen friends decide to have kids or trying to get pregnant or, you know, realizing that the biological clock is ticking that we've really like come together to talk about it a bit more and dig into it and we felt the same way as you did of like what's wrong with us that we're not ready or that we haven't been thinking about this or that we don't have a plan for this we're we're planners we're very intense strategic folk and for us not to think okay yeah we're gonna have kids at some point we're gonna da 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 it just hasn't really been a priority And so there's like, why do other people want this and we don't right now? And then also like, why don't we want it when everyone else that we know is wanting it at this moment? Like we have friends who are trying to get pregnant and I love that for them and that's their journey. But we're like, whoa, we're not ready. Like that's too fast. Like we're scared. We're like, can we not though? And yeah, to a certain extent, it's a little bit of the loss of self point that you made earlier of, you know, for me personally, I also am in a moment where I feel like I'm just starting to come into my own, just starting to realize who I am and what I want, and then also can barely take care of myself to a certain extent, right? Like, truly, I struggle with wellness and well-being in the midst of my fast-paced career and my ambitions and my daily life. And just the idea of, like, having to take on another human not only feels draining to me, it's like, how could I possibly fit a human life into my own messy life? But also, it would take so much of me And I know I'm someone who wants to give so deeply, give my all to everything. But also I know that I would, if I I love someone, if I care about someone, whether it's my cat or you or Will or whatever, I give everything. Mm -hmm. Like I'm devoted. Devotion. Mm -hmm. Dana, devotion. Um, I've seen it. Dana's devotion is deep. And I could see myself so easily just completely just deprioritizing myself and giving up myself to be so caring and loving to this child and give everything to this child and cultivate their life and and stop cultivating my own I could see that happening so easily and that idea scares the crap out of me and I don't want to do that because one I don't want to do that to myself I owe it to myself to better know myself and love myself and give more to myself but two I don't want to do that to my kid either. I don't want them to see me as just mom, you know? Like, I want to find a place of balance, better balance before I have a kid mm. so that I cannot just be mom to them and give everything to them and put them on a pedestal, but actually be mom and the career person that I want to be and do all the things I want to do. And it just feels like I'm not ready for that yet. Just... I'm just coming into it. You're, so, I'm, you're figuring yeah. it out right and now. And like the idea of throwing another thing to figure out, like truly figure out. The, like a living, breathing thing to yeah. figure out, yeah. It seems so scary. And then, yeah, Will, I think we're both so ambitious and we have so many things we want to do that we want to travel more. We want to, you know, see the world. We want to, you know, build a house together. We want to do all these cool things. And the idea of like putting a kid into the mix is just it feels like a deprioritization of other things and it feels like well then we're gonna become mom and dad and who are those people like I just got to me I just got to Dana I just got to Will like can we just focus on us for a second and like just started to figure out you know get our footing in life that like 
yeah, it feels very scary to throw a kid into the mix. And so we, we talk about that a lot of like, there's something wrong with us. Other people are also high powered, you know, career people and stressed out too. And they're having kids, they're ready to do it. So like, what's wrong with us that we can't just buck up and take this step? But I think the thing that is really interesting to me is last month I went down to Arkansas for the first time in a decade. And we were there to visit his, you know, aging grandfather and see how his mom was doing. And we were there for an extended period of time. It felt like I was really being immersed in Will's family for the first time in a long time. And it's the same family home that he grew up in. There's pictures all over the wall of every generation of the family from like great, great grandpa and grandma down to the cousins and him on the wall right now. And uh, I met all his aunts and his uncles and we were there for like four or five days. And it just was an overwhelming emotional experience for me, which I had not expected of just being steeped in Will's family legacy and his story. I heard so many stories about Will growing up and got to meet all the characters in his family. It just made me think for the first time in a way that I hadn't outside of my own experience my own thoughts about like how having a kid would affect me and my body and what I'm going through and my career and thinking about how much a kid could also add to that context or how much I wanted that our kid to meet Will's grandfather and how much I wanted our kid to experience this like this family and this legacy and know all these stories and be a part of that and and sort of pass on all that richness and it was a really weird feeling because I've been so ambivalent about having a kid and both Will and I have and for some reason this feeling was welling up inside of me of like oh we've got to start talking about this because maybe we do need to start thinking about having a kid so that he can he or she or whoever this kid is can experience this can be with your grandfather and your mom and your cousins like all together in one space before you know we lose them or before your grandfather passes away or you know god forbid something happens to the farm and the you know the places that you grew up in and I wanted that story to be passed on to our kids because I loved it so much and I wanted Will's future line to have that so yeah, it was super weird because coming from New York and coming from my t- mindset where I even, you know, said, said to you months ago and would have believed I don't want to have a kid until I'm 40 or 50 or if science and medicine can advance where I don't have to have a kid until I'm 66. Now I'm like, oh, we might have to fast track that just because of this experience that I had. I don't know how to explain it. And I, it does feel weird to me, but uh, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Yeah, totally. So like, as you've been talking in my mind, I was like, I still don't know if (laughs) she wants to have kids. I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. But it also sounds like this experience was a light bulb moment Mm -hmm. for you. But my question is, you know, as you were leading up to your time in Arkansas, it sounded like you as a person, as an individual almost do not want to go through with having Mm -hmm. a child right now. Do I really want to have kids or not? I think I, in theory, want children. I will eventually have children. 
I'm not like goo goo gaga mom mm-hmm. vibes mm-hmm. have never been. So it's not like I was born to be a mom and I'm very excited to be a mom, but I know we're probably going to have kids. It's just a matter of like when it is going to logically and emotionally and physically and financially make sense for us and when we're ready and we're not ready on the normal timeline. So it's weird. But do you feel like after going to Arkansas, do you feel like it's more pressure from external mm-hmm. sources influencing your decision? Or did you really feel like that light bulb moment came through with you personally as the individual saying, I want to do this mm-hmm. now? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it's a bit of both. But yeah, this experience, I think it was, I recognize that it was definitely external factors for sure. It's definitely the urgency of Will's grandfather being at the end towards the end of his life and like it it would crush me to I think it would crush me and I think it would crush him to know that our kid never gets to meet him or that we had the chance like I think there was a sense of regret like worry for regretting that and the urgency of like that's a reality that we are gonna have to face like it was I guess matching a human reality or a or a family reality to the timeline that for us has just been like a biological timeline it's just been like oh, we only have probably till 36 max, like that's a timeline we have to be aware of because of biology. But then putting in the context of Will's grandfather made that timeline feel completely different. It was suddenly evaluating it in a totally different way. So definitely that it's an external factor. Like that's something I can't control. That's out of my control. That's definitely part of, you know, the family pressure and family judgment or, you know, family context that is externally pressuring me and I feel weird about that but also like to your point it did it well up inside me something that might have always been there mm. yeah definitely and I don't have a good handle on that yet and that's why it makes me so emotional because it feels really strange to want something that you didn't think you didn't know you wanted or to feel that want Mm-hmm. when really it's just been a logical one. It's been like, a, like yeah, I'll probably have kids. And now coupling that with this like weird emotion that I've never felt before where it's like, oh, but maybe that will be good. And Will will be a great fucking dad. And like, that would be awesome. And yeah. like to have the family, like Will's family, and like have that all be con- interconnected is kind of cool. So yeah. yeah, it's a bit of both. That's cool though. <laughs> that's that's beautiful that you've gone from ambivalent to hey this this could be a really good thing Mm -hmm. like I think Mm -hmm. that is the switch yeah the healthy switch in my mind of of what should be happening yeah just really seeing this in a positive light versus like oh I'm just ambivalent and one day I'm gonna have to pull the ripcord and I'm still ambivalent but times run out right right you know, that's a scary place to be. And is that really fair to a child mm-hmm. to be brought into this world when you're ambivalent versus I think this is a really good thing and mm-hmm. I'm really stoked for a lot of things to come out of this. And yeah. so that feels so lovely and, and healthy Yeah, as a change. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what Will and I have been waiting for is like, we'll know when we're ready or we'll know it's time when we feel that way. And like, we're just not feeling that way viscerally yet and like we'll one day want them we just know right now it's kind of more like a we'll know we're gonna have them but that want is starting to manifest and I I like that it is 
and not to say that anyone it's else's really journey nice. is different, but I, I'm liking that it's kind of these like weird awakening moments for me. And maybe this is the first one and there'll be more to come and I'll see the path much more clearly and, and be ready for it and to embrace it. Versus, yeah, I think if we were to start just like planning right now or even a few months ago before this happened, I, it would have felt inauthentic. It would have felt like, well, we just got to get it, get it into place and figure out what we're going to do. And it doesn't right. feel like coming from a place of understanding and, and, and embracing and like really wanting this. So yeah. I mean, as you were talking, a few questions came up. One of them, I feel like there's actually a theme between one, me and you, and also observations of, of motherhood. You were saying, you know, you give 150 million percent to everything that you do. And knowing you, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming you'd want to have a kid and probably want to continue work at some point as yeah. well. And then also you want to be a good partner and wife to your husband and you also want to be a good friend. You still want to keep up all these things and now you have this thing in the mix. Is there a fear of knowing you're going to have to divide your attention a little bit? Is there one, the fear of you're not going to be good at those things anymore, but also this fear of you're not going to be a great parent because you can't give 150 million percent? That's a big one. That's a big one. A hundred percent. All of those things. One of my favorite uh, things about myself is that I'm a huge perfectionist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love and hate that I am mm-hmm. a crazy perfectionist. I'm a psycho perfectionist. And the idea of you even just saying like, what if you couldn't give 150% to all those things mm-hmm. scares the crap out of me, makes me go, ew, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. And yeah, the idea of being mediocre at anything meaning having to be mediocre or like less present in my job or like not as like singularly focused on my job because I have a kid that's scary I don't like that and then vice versa scary that I have to be a mom and to your point that takes all of you it takes so much of you and how much would it take away from the rest of my life yeah it feels like you cannot fucking win Like, you can't be you anymore. You can't do all the things that you want to do. But then vice versa, you can't have the kid and, like, pass on your legacy and, like, have these amazing experiences with your kid and create a family. So, like, I I can't fucking win. It feels like once I open that door, once I choose to have a kid and we start trying to have a kid, sacrifices are going to have to be made in every realm. And that is scary. Am I scared about being a shittier worker, shittier employee, shittier friend? A hundred percent. I hate the idea of like, my kid is just my life now. Like that's, I don't like that right now. That doesn't sit with me, but I know that that's part of the reality and it doesn't, it's not a bad thing. It's just like, it's scary to me right now. Am I afraid I'm going to be a bad mom if I don't, if I'm not present for them? I think there's so much, so many things at play there. If I want to work, right, like I'm going to have to take time away from the kid and their growth. I'm going to have to deal with that balance too. I've worked, we've worked with so many women in leadership who work while having a kid and every model is weird. You know, some of them I'm like, 
do you even want to go home to your kids? Right. And like, that's weird. I don't know if I'd want to feel like that. And then some of them, I'm like, I can't believe that you're, you know, bouncing a baby on your lap while working. I can barely work without a baby bouncing on my lap. I don't know how you're doing that. Right. And like, Godspeed, like I'm proud of y'all, but like uh, totally unreal. That balance of being a mom and being, and wanting to still keep your career and be a perfectionist and do amazing things in your life, do hobbies for God's sake. Like, decide to open your own business or something like those are all dreams that I've thought about that I'd like to have and like so yeah the idea of having to balance that or having to sacrifice or maybe not doing my best at all those things terrifies me maybe you're not there yet you're not ready like I one thing as you're talking about this and just after knowing you for so long like my hope for you is that one day you just trying your best will be enough Mm. so that you can give yourself that grace once you're once you're a mom because I feel like no day is going to feel perfect and Mm. like especially when you have a little baby you're just going to have to make it up as you go and hindsight is 2020 oh I could have done this better and that and that and I hope you're able to be more gentle with yourself when you can only give 100 or 90 or 50 percent to any aspect of your life yeah and not be so hard on yourself for that yeah I've been trying to start reading but haven't gotten to it Jesse Klein's new book I'll show you out or something yeah I think it was her that said like one of the benefits of being a parent is like you stop giving a fuck I imagine everything like crystallizes into perspective right because suddenly you've got a human being you've got to care for and so then like the meeting that you're scared about feels a little bit less intense right so I recognize that like yeah maybe for someone like me and and you too like we're both very like we try to be our best all the time and it might be good to have like a sense of that perspective there's one other question I want to ask that's been coming up and it was well, maybe one of the points that I wanted to make as I was explaining my story, but I'll, but I'll kind of ask it through you. You know, the world's a crazy place. Show is. Climate change. Mess. All of these things. <laughs> Has a worry of the future ever made you pause <laughs> in wanting to have kids? Yeah, 100%, especially now, right, where we know... Yeah, there's no end in sight to these setbacks and crazy things happening. It feels like it's only getting worse. It feels like more and more bad things are happening. Yeah, I think that context absolutely puts the idea of like bringing another person into this world who has to live for another 80-something years into perspective. I think it's hard to wrap your head around like what it will be like and what, you know what that person's gonna have to deal with so it's like easy to put away and just be like yeah it's gonna be rough (laughs) like things aren't getting better anytime soon so like bringing a person into this world will definitely put them in in, at risk of some serious experiences definitely have moments where I'm like this is not a safe place especially if I had a girl I think that weighs on me more than more so than anything is like the gender of, of my if if I chose to have a child and it was a girl like I would I would be pretty fucked up about bringing her into the world right now. And I would just have to hope for the best because it just, everything is just so hard right now. I mean, not even just like the context of Roe v. Wade and, and everything, but social media, like that terrifies me, especially for young girls. Like, so I, I think, I do think about how hard it's going to be. So yeah, I think about it, but like, 
it's it's lower on my list of things that's like helping me decide Mm -hmm. i have to say you know this is like we're on the same page a lot of times we're on the same page and this is but we also like veer a little Mm -hmm. bit in our own ways and i think this is one really strong point that i also believe in and not having children Mm -hmm. i'm just like i don't think the world needs more children right now also (laughs) like there's you know, thousands and thousands of kids in foster care. This is a priority for me of thinking about a kid being brought into this world. Mm-hmm. I I don't even feel safe going into group settings for fear of a mass shooting mm-hmm. in fucking New York. Mm-hmm. If I had a girl, don't I would lose my mind just yeah. having been put through the ringer myself and everything the world has shaped women to deal with. Yeah. I can't imagine putting that on someone else right now. I can't imagine putting climate change and being concerned that, you know, half of the world, I don't, I'm making this up, but half of the world won't be here like Mm -hmm. in 50 years. I just, I I just can't, I can't put that on someone else right now. So, you know, and then other, other people are like, I really want to have a kid and we're, as life continues, we're constantly figuring it yeah, out. Yeah. And the hope is that we continue to figure it out and maybe yeah. that kid will contribute to figuring it out. Yeah. So I totally, I totally get it. But for me, it is a huge reason of why not to. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. So I, I totally feel that. And it's fair to and valid to have that feeling, I think. Yeah. And, and I'm in the other camp and like, I'll definitely mm-hmm. probably have kids and like hope for the best. But like, I think what is a hundred percent true is that I hope anyone who is having a kid or deciding to have a kid realizes that the context and the backdrop of everything that's going on it is going to be extremely hard to raise your kid Mm -hmm. like I cannot imagine how parents are surviving right now and so I hope anyone who is like about to have a kid is recognizing how intense it's going to be hopefully nobody's expecting to show up and have like an easy time parenting your kid on on just a basic level I think that's the thing though it's like you have to put blinders on a little bit when you're like I'm ready to have a kid because you know like it could go to shit like anything could happen and you kind of just have to like blind optimism be like we're gonna do this and we're gonna figure it out it's gonna be okay but like the blind optimism shades are like even bigger and like they're like blackout curtains very thick yeah you gotta like basically put like go into a hole and be like yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna have kids it's gonna be fine in a hole I have my glasses on. Yeah, blackout curtains. Well, Dana, <laughs> wow. This honestly has been one of my favorite conversations we've had my over the too. past few months. Um, thank you for sharing that. I can't believe how personal and how deep this actually really ran. Um, yeah, for both of us, thank you for sharing your perspective and your stories. And yeah. Letting me probe on, you know, all the things. I mean, same. <laughs> And just know when you do have a kid, I will be very excited for you. Oh my God. Best, best auntie yes, ever. Yeah. We'll get her on the podcast. Man. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, yikes. We'll see. Um, okay, great. Well, we are going to pop off with a just me. Okay. After the break. <laughs> All right. Um, we 
are back. We are ready to pop off, have a little fun after that very intense conversation. I am going to flip this over to Dana, give her those 60 seconds to just go for whatever the fuck she wants to go for. Ready? Set, go. Is it just me or is Farmer's Fridge, which is a... Okay, it's a vending machine in the airport. Listen, I've been in a lot of airports lately, and you know she's scouting out the best healthy, yummy food. And is it just me, or is Farmer's Fridge the future? Literally, there's this, like, frozen vending, or not frozen, it's just a refrigerator where they deliver (laughs) these, like, amazing salads and fresh eggs and, like, fucking pasta and shit and cheesy stuff, and it's, like, healthy food. It's Yeah, they have, like, a a pesto-y, cheesy pasta. The the thing. They know what the girls want. They want something healthy, but they really want a pesto pasta in a bowl. <laughs> but they, they deliver it every morning fresh to the airport. You can get it out of the vending machine and you can have a really fucking tasty salad at the airport. Like the future wow. of airport food. This is not sponsored. Farmer's Fridge. Uh, yeah. Uh, find Farmer's Fridge in your Newark airport. <laughs> Wow, that was neat. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you don't know, they're out there. Find them. They're out there, and they are. They, there was one in the Atlanta airport. There was one in the uh, um, in the New York airport. They're out there. So go find your farmer's fridge because they're legit. Wow! Please sponsor us. I'm also someone give me a farmer's. I fridge. like talked to a, fl- a a pilot about this because we were in. I was in line for my farmer's fridge, and the pilot was in line behind me, and I showed him a trick where the 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 vending machine comes with like its own plate and like disposable like forks and stuff so you don't you can take your salad out of the jar into the plate and you don't have to like eat it out of a weird jar Brilliant. and he was like oh my god I've been doing this for weeks and I didn't know that they had plates and I was like dude they got plates and join the club man <laughs> so, yeah. so see the pilots are onto it and the people are onto it farmer's fridge farmer's fridge <laughs> I can't wait to travel again now so I could do this wait is there one at JFK or LaGuardia I think so I think yeah I think I've found one they're, they're more widespread than you think like quick distribution, great business model, love it. Noted, noted, because that food is disgusting. It's terrible. It's really bad. Yeah. It is so bad. Now it's your turn, Katie. Okay. Uh, are you ready for your just me okay pop off? And your okay. sixty seconds starts now. Okay. Is it just me, or are American sports over? <gasps> Cancelled. Benito. Done. Okay. <laughs> Baseball, boring. Dead. Football, dangerous. <laughs> dangerous game. No one should be allowed to play it. They all get hurt. And there's some dangerous, shitty people that actually play football or like support and run all the football teams. Mm-hmm. No. Danger, Mess. caution, warning. No. Do not. Detour. Okay. Go around. <laughs> Must pass. Give me some of that Euro hot boy sport. Ooh. Hot boy sport. Okay, give me give me that soccer. Give mm. me that tennis. Football. Show me someone who runs a few miles every day and has the body to prove it. The body. Also, the body. turning into a big Formula One fan. Global. Global enterprise. Give me more of that. They're all good looking. Also, fun fact, soccer, tennis, great for women. Women thrive here. Women in the United States thrive here and also can be spread across the world. It is time for global and Eurosport to thrive. Wow. That's a hot take and I think a good one. You're right. You're right. All your points were dead on. 
Baseball. Boring. Football. <laughs> dangerous. dangerous. Yes. Fun. You're over, man. Say less. You're because, because you're right. American sport, along with America, is, is canceled. over. It's over. over. We're canceled. over. You know what? Actually, that should that needs a study or like a trend. Like somebody needs to get their little monocle out and look at that because so, yeah, so as monocle. the decline of American sports, the decline of America coinciding. Just yeah. like, but because maybe if we were doing good with the football, maybe we wouldn't, wouldn't all be so depressed. Maybe. Maybe football Maybe. is safer. Maybe, Maybe it would baseball help. was a little more entertaining. And I say this as a person who has watched more ESPN than most men and women <laughs> do in their lives. Little like, known fact about Katie. <laughs> I can give you the starting lineup of like the 97 Yankees team. <laughs> world champions like hello like i can do this i have watched the sports i know the sports and they're over and uh, you know they're just over those those ones are well i'll tell you what for someone who doesn't watch espn and never played a sport in their life wow this feels good feels really good you called it you heard it here first actually i bet you that's why we're pushing this episode out immediately <laughs> for this take. <laughs> we had to get it out there. We had to tell the world. This is what you've been waiting for. About Farmer's Bridge and Katie's hypothesis about global sports. <laughs> yes. Very oh important. On that note, thanks. Thanks for bearing with us. Thank you for listening. This was a heavy one, but also, I think, a good one. So, so healthy and good and hopefully gets across maybe what a lot of you guys are thinking maybe maybe we'll see tell us i don't know it's been amazing to hear your feedback so keep doing it (laughs) am i a dork okay i'm leaving